When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I was I'm live. To pull it up, bro. Okay, we're gonna pull up. We're doing Tom and Z morning rounds. This Anyone who so doesn't cool. understand that is a punk. <laughs> we're going to the main page, and me and Tom are talking to each other in profile. That's like, right. You know, like Alfred Hitchcock. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Tom Heineber. He had a good profile. Z Dog. Z Dog. MD. My Tom boy. Heineber. Who's Who's got the better profile? Logan. Weigh in. <laughs> we're back snitches what's up bro why are you living in california with all the communists i'm not i don't mm-hmm. i don't move to california uh until september 1st that's what you tell the irs mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, oh yeah no that's the thing is like when 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 we decided okay we got to move the show up there we're like what are the advantages what are the disadvantages okay the disadvantages a uh sickening elite liberal bubble Ugh. that even as an elite liberal the I'm, I'm sickened by the grossest uh delightful weather delicious food incredible cost of living in a bad way and uh traffic but other than that it's the perfect place tom heineber <laughs> if you have the means okay every time i'm up there i'm like this is great I'm ready to leave. <laughs> That's mm-hmm. how I feel about New York. Yeah, New York yeah. is terrible. Yeah, as well. I, I get it. I get it. I get my fill in the first thirty minutes, and then I'm done. There's some quote that's like, um, you know, true New Yorkers realize that people anywhere else are kidding themselves. <laughs> and uh, my addition to that quote is that uh, the rest of us realize that New Yorkers are assholes. They live <laughs> in a garbage dump. <laughs> they can have it. <laughs> They're basically eight million trash pandas. I one time I landed at LaGuardia uh, from Dallas, and this guy, like in in you know boots and spurs and a hat, basically was like, "Man, this place sucks. This is the last <laughs> time I'll ever come in here." And I was like, "Me too, brother. <laughs> Me too." I love that you know you're you're not identifying with the you know elite artists and creatives <laughs> and business people there. You're like this guy in a hat was like fuck this place and i was like you know what i'm with you guy i feel the way this guy feels i'm gonna follow this guy (laughs) this guy's speaking my language um here's the thing for some reason comments don't come up oh i'm getting comments are you oh you know what i I pressed a button that that made them go away no i i'll make it work i can read them to you Uh, okay you manage cosmo says what up z shout out to all the respiratory line teams out there vabc for life so that was a complete waste of my time, Tom Heineber. You know, <laughs> go ahead and continue to read comments. So, by the way, that reminds me. So, like, you know, we're doing this like alpha trial with Facebook for doing this thing called Stars, right? Tom thinks it's the worst idea ever uh-huh. um, because it's like me going out there with a guitar case asking for money. Yeah. And the truth is, I don't need I, like the supporters support us. They actually are great. We have a big tribe there. Their subscriptions really drive the show. And then we do sponsorships and we do ads and we do things like that. So we're able to go ahead and make a business out of this in a way that actually supports the movement we're trying to do. But the reason I actually care about stars is not for us, Tom Heineber, but for that little old lady who has a quilting Facebook channel who we're alpha testing a way that she can get money. (laughs) 
Now, you think that I'm lying, but I feel for that quilting lady because I'm like, you ought to be paid to quilt, woman, <laughs> by people sending you stars. Am I wrong, Tom Heineber? You know, I had an epiphany. Let me tell you this epiphany it's that I had recently. pronounced epiphany. <laughs> let me, just so let me tell you this that I had recently. That uh, we now, you know, all right. Back in the day, you used to have to search out information. You used to have to go to a library and look at things on microfiche if you wanted to know about the past. It was like looking through seer stones or something. Dude, I love microfiche. Don't right. you talk shit about microfiche. It's my favorite band. It, it microfiche. is, microfiche. <laughs> and, uh, you know, so you had to really search out information, right? We live in a time now where information just comes to you. It just bombards you. And if you allow that to happen to you, you're going to be a fucking idiot. Mm. Because... You still have to go search out quality information. You're living in the deluge, the avalanche of bullshit. And if you don't, you know, be proactive, take some active steps, pay a little bit for some content that you like. Like, you're not going to get quality stuff. And what you consume content-wise should be just as important as what you consume nutritionally. Yeah, I'm with you, dude. You need... Uh, people that you trust that share a sensibility now not an echo chamber right no not an echo chamber but you still have to, you have to do some active searching and curating absolutely of the things that come into you i am with you, know? you my brother because here's the thing i it's like remember the early days of facebook when you're like it'd be like shit you like and you'd like like different shit to let people know you like that shit you know and one day i was like roller coasters yeah fuck yeah i like roller coasters i click like on that little roller coaster link and then like last week actually it was like two months ago but like two months ago Roller coasters is now like a page that shares like explicit outrage news, and it was like roller coasters. My boyfriend raped me. Things I'll never forget. And I was like, <gasps> that is not roller coaster related. <laughs> you know what I mean? So what you're telling me, Tom Heinberg, is if we want to grow our reach, we need to start sharing some clickbait nonsense garbage. I'm that's say- what I'm taking. I'm home. saying that I am now. I used to be the type of person who was like, I will never fucking pay for content on the internet. The internet is free. Mm-hmm. I'm not about that life, okay? Mm-hmm. I'm not giving you my credit card info. There's no way. It's not happening. Not happening. And now I'm more than happy to support people. And, you know, I think in some total I'd probably pay probably 80 or 90 bucks a month, mm. uh, you know, just supporting different content curators and getting access to, you know, paywall type stuff like like what we're doing with the subscription channel. And, you know, that's basically like what a cable bill used to cost. And I don't have a cable bill. See, that's the thing. It's like cutting the cord, right? Right. Um, And then you can just get the content you want. Like, I subscribe for HBO because Chernobyl is fucking amazing. Like Chernobyl is so good. Oh, just that. If we did nothing else but made Chernobyl, uh, I would be like, this was worth the 15 bucks a month, right? So for the supporter tribe, it's like $4.99 a month. And people will tell me, dude, it's worth it just for that time you said X. Or the fact that you're just, you, there's nothing that you won't say yeah. to supporters. And the thing is, the other thing is it's not an echo chamber. So like, it, I will disagree with supporters. We'll get into it. But in a civil way, great, man. That's unusual to yeah. be able to do that. And the tribe, the supporter tribe discussion group is actually pretty good because I'm fucking curating it and I'm not letting anything through unless it interests me. Plus, humans don't value things they don't pay for. Like at the uh, SpaceX and Tesla cafeterias, the employees get like amazing high quality food, but they still have to pay a couple bucks for it because Elon Musk is a smart guy and he knows humans don't value things that are free. Yeah. It's like, it's free. What's the catch? It's a piece of junk. You just give it to me. We want things that other humans have, 
right? Yeah. And those things cost money or, you know, this is why price is still like a pretty good indicator of quality. Yeah, yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. Like I always go, my wife sends me to the store and she's like, get a toaster oven. And I just buy the most expensive toaster oven because I just figure it's going to be the best. You know? <laughs> There's some flaw in that, but not a terrific amount. Like, right. for example, expensive wine is often not good. Well, so I, sometimes I'll look at them, right? And there'll be like a $200 toaster yeah. oven and it has like some, it has Wi-Fi. Right, right. And you're like, I don't, I need, don't need Wi-Fi. <laughs> yeah, right. Right. And then I'll go to the the hundred and fifty dollar toaster of it, you know. Actually, that's a fucking thing now. So because because we're you know f- finishing the pr- prep on our house, right? That yeah. we're going to move into, and it's like every f- new device wants to connect to your Wi-Fi mm-hmm. and wants you to download an app so you can fuck with this device. Yeah. And I'm like, I don't care what my fridge is doing. Right. I don't care what my dishwasher is doing. Oh my God, do I care what my trash disposal is doing right now? No. <laughs> do I want an alert? Oh, allow right. notifications from the trash disposal app. Fuck that. Uh, yeah. Dispose the trash. I and saw, then get I, back I to I was me. at Best Buy the other day. I saw a basketball that had like a, you know, a chip in it. And it's like, this is what, this is the internet of things. Why does a fucking basketball need a chip, right? <laughs> Dude, you never know. Some motherfucker it, might dribble it And wrong. if basketballs have chips, why during the NFL do they still bring out the yardsticks and measure the shit? Like, just chip the whole field, and then we'll know if the ball crossed the plane or not. You know it's, what I'm saying? It's it's some shit. Amy dude. says Tom looks like he's down a few pounds. What's his secret? Oh shit! You were just telling me you I lost told Z I lost twenty pounds. And I told you know what I told Tom? Yeah. You don't look any different. He was like, you look the same. I was like, that hurts my feelings. <laughs> you know what my secret? Okay, here's my secret. I've just been counting calories. It's just straight it's ins the and outs. Easiest motherfucking thing. You know yeah. what I ate for breakfast the other day? Bunch of chocolates. Oh yeah. Because those are on my calories. calories. You know what I mean? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, and also I pair it with the watch. Oh, oh, oh. Which so is legit. Because here's the thing. When you start doing, when you do calories, right, you're like, okay. And I track everything on uh, that app, My Fitness My Pal. Fitness Pal. Yeah. When you do calories, you're like, I'm going to eat whatever, 2,400 calories a day, which is my thing, right? But I can, I'm a big man. I can't eat 2,400 calories every single day. Some days I want to fuck around and eat 3,800 calories. So what do I do? I get my ass on the Stairmaster and then I eat a whole pizza for dinner. You know what I mean? You go and to that energy way balance. It, it all evens out mm-hmm. and, and I'm doing it slowly over time. Like, that was a no fail way. As long mm-hmm. as you can sustain it, that's the trick. Yeah, it's really, you know, this method is really sustainable for me. For it's you, just yeah. like a lifestyle change yeah, thing yeah. for me. Because I, st- I can't do, when I cut out whole food groups. Yeah. No, no I can't do that. I need variety in my foods. I just do. The, the the only thing I've been able to do recently, I gained a bunch of weight when we went to Hawaii for that talk and all that, and uh, and being back and forth to the Bay Area and that I'm just eating all this crap. Mm-hmm. It's like mm, I need to go back to one meal a day. Yeah, and make that meal less egregious. Like it can't be just anything I want because that's what I was doing. I was like, damn. My kids were like, "You're fat, daddy." I'm like, see, "You're fat." See, that's the thing. When I was doing one meal a day too, I'd be eating like 4,200 calories. You know what I mean? I mean, we're but, already planning, but I'm just having one meal. We're already planning this now, Tom. I know. We're like, we're gonna go to Cetabello. We're gonna eat a series of margarita pizzas. I took Z. I took Z to this place that has amazing margarita pizzas, and then not, like the first thing we say when we saw each other right after Z gets here from the airport is like, "Yo, we going to yeah. we going to have pizzas at that place." <laughs> 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 so we're just fat kids at heart, yeah. you know, and yeah. you have to fight against your inner fat kid. You do, but then sometimes you just give in and go, I'm fat, and I'm going to own this. I think I think uh, one of my epiphanies about just adult life has been tracking everything is really helpful for me. So, like, tracking my wealth was the thing that mm. caused me to, like, be in a uh, – I'm rich, people. It's great. <laughs> um, 
I was going to say advantageous financial position, but Tom got money, yo. Uh, <laughs> tracking my calories has been like killer for my fitness. And I've been journaling like a huge, well, I'm not going to say that word. but Oh my uh, God, dude. I was gonna, what happened? I, was gonna, I leave for a minute and like Tom's journaling. Dude, what happened? I, I mean, we work together with a certain understanding yeah. that you never journal. Well, here's the thing. What do you want out of life? Journals. You want to be rich, fit, healthy, and happy. That's what everybody wants, right? Mm. That's the Naval thing. Yeah. So I've just been trying to track those things. And every day, like, I'm feeling like, I'm in a bad mood. Things are bad. I don't want to feel bad. I write it down. <laughs> and then I realize, like, the day wasn't that bad. I'm just being kind of a dumbass. You know, about that's it. cognitive behavioral therapy you're doing. Yeah. That's what you're supposed to do. You're supposed mm-hmm. to write down the shit. What are your thoughts? And then notice the distortions and thinking, catastrophizing, black and white thinking, yeah. negativity bias, all the other things. Glasses half full. I do the same shit, Tom Hines. That's the hardest one, though. The journaling is the hardest one because, like, yeah. calories and money, it's like, yeah, it's, it's like, ooh, I'm going to eat pizza later. Ooh, I just made some more money. Journaling is like, ah. When I was little, nobody loved me enough. <laughs> <laughs> it's not as good. It's not as good. <laughs> yeah, journaling requires a, a lack of self-deception. Right, right. Like the other things, yeah, you can fudge calories. You can fudge. You can't fudge money. It's hard. No. Uh, you can avoid things. But yeah, you know what? Actually, that's the other thing. Being honest about what you're putting down. You know? Right. You put right. butter on your uh, potatoes or whatever. Like, you gotta write yep. that shit down. And yep. then you're like, wait, I just used 200 calories of butter. Yep. Yes, yep. you did, because you're fat and you love butter. Oh, this I is love me butter. talking to me, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> you said, you know, I'm learning how, or I'm learning these things about being an adult. It's interesting because I think I went through this series of uh, quantum moments. Yeah. So there was a minute in my 20s when I got really into finances. It was in residency because I'm like, I'm broke. I need to figure this out. Yep. One day I won't be broke, but. I will be if I don't figure this out. And so I got obsessive about investing. I had all the charts, Quicken. I was like following all the numbers and I got really familiar with how taxes work. Mm -hmm. I did my own taxes all the time and I would make sure I understood it. Now that tool set, I don't care about it. You built it, yeah, but it's unconscious. Now I'm like, okay, now you don't do that because that's terrible opportunity cost. You're wasting your money, don't do that. This is an important thing. This is why you only focus on one item at a time because- If I tell you to start tracking everything, well, you end up tracking nothing. Like, nothing, yeah. Just pick one. Pick one item on the list. If you feel you're really deficient uh, you know, financially, work on your finances first. If you feel you're really deficient. If you're deficient in all three areas, welcome to life. A lot of us are. you know. So just pick one and get working on it. And then once you've accomplished a big goal in that one, move to the next one. Like Christy Seitz lost 92 pounds in a year. I mean, that's basic. She basically amputated a Siamese twin. Yeah. I mean, there's one less appendage. Logan's like wife. Logan's Eng. wife lost him. Logan, how much did your wife lose? She's lost seventy, 70 pounds, pounds on keto. Like she's been keto, doing, yeah. and she's been like super consistent. Posts on her Instagram, like she looks fucking great. You know, Logan better get on the goddamn bandwagon. I know. Why is he still so fat? <laughs> oh, no, Logan's down forty. <laughs> oh yeah, Logan Logan's lost down forty. Yeah. yeah, this is great. I what? This is a good thing. Yeah. But again, it's like these little steps, right? So that, then I got into fitness. Then I got into uh, what was the other thing you said? So it was money, fitness. Happiness. happiness. Yeah. So happiness. That's, you're at your last one. I'm at my happiness last one. Happiness is the hardest one. Happiness by the way. is the hardest one. So meditation, yeah. whether you're journaling, you're seeing a therapist, whatever it is that you do. Uh, I'm like reading a lot of Eastern spirituality because I'm like I'm like Spinal Tap. Yeah. We're just you know I'm just dabbling in whatever Eastern spirituality you know of of the week. Uh, I told you I went to this Buddhist um, temple in uh, Hawaii on Oahu on the windward side. It's in the Valley of the Temples, and. Um, 
I was expecting my kids to take a shit on it and be like, this is dumb, I wanna leave, and my wife to be bored. Dude, everybody was like, this is the best place I, in the, on the whole island. Like, this is the highlight of the trip. And I'm like, well, what was it for you? For my kids, it was being in this weird, mystical place where little birds come and fly and eat out of your hands, and there's a sense of calm. For me, it was like, oh shit, I get this now. Like. You walk into the temple, there's this huge icon of a Buddha, right? Yeah. In the old days, right, when I didn't understand this shit, I went to Thailand and I would look at this stuff and I'd be like, look at this uh, superstitious iconography. Why do humans waste so much money and time building mm -hmm. these icons to non-existent gods? Then I realized, oh no, it's not that. It's an icon to your own mind. It's like, oh, that fool's at peace. Look at his face, look what he's doing. He's yeah. in the moment and he's trying to show you how you can actually find liberation in the moment. And I was like, oh, now I'm woke, this is great. I wasn't woke at all, <laughs> but I felt like that. Um, so yeah, you're trying to find happiness. And I would say save that, save that after you've established Maslow's hierarchy, fitness, right. money, because without those things, you are gonna be a mess. You're gonna be grasping and- Yeah, yeah, yeah. And people are like, you know, um, Oh, you shouldn't. You shouldn't care about money, man. You should be an altruist, man. Dipshits say that, right? It's like life. You need money, and capitalism is a natural part of Pe human hierarchy. So, people who say that, in my experience, yeah. are freeloading leeches. They're unemployed. They're um, born rich. They're, there's yeah. a lot of different things that I've afflicted. That there are very few people I've met who've busted their ass, right? And then say money doesn't matter. They will say this: money doesn't buy you happiness. It matters to keep you stable and safe and support your family, and you need it as a prerequisite to actually then do wonderful things. Every person I know or have ever met that's actually rich will tell you some variation of uh, money doesn't buy happiness, but it fucking helps. It helps. You know, to the helps tune you of, get there. It helps you. the hierarchy. Yeah, because you're not worrying about survival. Yeah. You know, so here's this. I actually think it's the most boring part of the three, you know, yeah. the, the, you know, fitness, uh, wealth, and happiness, but it's kind of the first thing you need to accomplish. You need it, it's just like, you know. Because of the time value of money, because, you know, all that kind of Water's stuff. Water's boring, yeah. but it's essential to life, and so you have to have to take care of it. So this is an interesting way to look at this. We went back to my condo in Mountain View, me and Mrs. Dog, and we brought my two kids. And this is a little small condo that um, my dad helped me to buy, and then I took over the mortgage rapidly uh, because I was like, no, I wanna, actually pay this thing down and then pay him back and all that. And, um, you know, it's like a thousand square feet. Uh, me and Mrs. Dog lived there for seven years when we were medical residents. It was walking distance to Castro Street, all these cool restaurants. And it was like this magical place. And we have all these fond memories of it. And, uh, you know, it was this thing. Well, we go back now, we've been renting it for the last, you know, out to people for the last how many decades and since we le left in like 2006. And um, we're like, oh my God, dude, this place is a shithole. Yeah. Like it is, <laughs> I, I, how do you live like this? And the truth is, it's fine, nothing wrong with it. The more money you get, the more your mindset starts to shift, the more you need, you're on a hedonic treadmill, always chasing the next thing, that's no longer good enough. That was beyond good enough for us. We felt rich yeah. in that place. I remember being in my first you know, condo that me and my wife owned and just being like, oh, I can't believe God. we have a condo and we're, you know, it's we're here, deal, you know? It's a huge deal, most people And that people condo I think cost 140K when we bought it, you know, right. and I was like, that was all the money in the world at the time yeah. and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. yeah, it's still more than most Americans have, you know, to, to, to 
to be able to easily go and get. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, and, I didn't but, buy it in cash. I had a yeah, mortgage. no, no, of course. Yeah, you have a mortgage. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, oh, my, by the way, speaking of mortgage, so it's funny. So my daughter, I've been listening to Sapiens on audiobook, yeah. uh, Yuval Harari, and I already read his sequels and stuff, but but that book is interesting because it's a history of mankind. So every now and again, my oldest daughter, Nina, she's 11, she'll, I'll be in the car and I'll be like, I'm just going to put this on because I don't want to listen to you yap about you know, how you're hungry or thirsty or what, you don't want to go somewhere. And uh, she'll start listening and Harari will be like, so for the most, most of human history, the mindset of humans was that there, the amount of wealth in the world is a fixed number. And all you're doing is taking that pie and trying to grab a piece of it. And so there was no such thing as, oh, the, the economy will be bigger next year. Right. There was no such thing as we can grow the pie. It was just there's this much wealth and you take your piece, which is why Jesus said that it is easier to get into heaven, you know, it's very hard for somebody who makes a lot of money. It's easier for a camel to pass through the eye of a needle than it is for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven, is the direct quote. Well played, Tom I went Heineman. to Catholic school, people. Damn, homie. In high school, you were the man, <laughs> homie. What the fuck happened to you? So so in, in, the, in, the, in the setting of that, the idea in those days was if a rich person's getting rich, they're taking from someone else right. by default. It's like ca- Marxism says the same thing. Basically. Yeah, people still yeah. think that way now. Yeah. We call think them that, uh, we call morons. Them, we call them Bernie Sanders. So, so <laughs> yeah, we call them morons. So, so what ended up um, happening is when things started to shift and you start seeing, oh no, actually the economy could be bigger right. and you could grow the pie, something called credit started to be established. And now you can build your bakery by borrowing against future growth. And that powers this understanding, which is really kind of a lie. It's kind of like, yeah. that future growth doesn't exist yet, but we're gonna assume it does. And so as a result, we can borrow against it, have credit and do the engine of economic growth that we have. I have to take minor. I, and she I, was like, wow, I had no idea. I quibble a little bit with Harari and some of his things like, uh, I don't believe money is a shared fiction. I believe it's a shared recognition, which is different than it being a shared fiction. I also believe that credit uh, precedes barter because credit is a natural system. I do something for you, you do something for me. That's credit. That's like reciprocity credit, right? Yes. Yeah. But I mean, that's a natural human instinct, natural human system, you know? Mm, Interesting. IOUs between, you know, but it's very short term. It's very short term. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. It used to be very short term. Right. Yeah, you weren't having 30-year... Uh, you know, 30-year no... IOUs, right 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 right, 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 with interest. Yeah. Right. Yeah, and I don't know that humans have... Sh- to, to me, the word fiction, which Harari likes to use, uh, that humans organize via fiction, you know, mm. stories, mm. is I don't ne- know that they're necessarily fi- made up whole cloth, which is what the word indicates to me, fiction. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. What I think is that humans organize via shared recognitions. right. Right. Well, you know, I think, again, it may be a bit of semantics, but it does frame it, too. It frames right. how you do it. By the way, semantics matter, because if, it, if humans are organizing via shared fiction, well, we can just create new fictions whole cloth and then live inside of them, and that's postmodernism, right? But if humans are organizing via shared recognition, well, then there's natural law and order to some things. Interesting. Yeah, it's yeah. more objective. The, so uh, one thing I will say, so people are sending stars. I'm not reading the stars comments because people have fed back that that's obnoxious on a big show. We'll do it on certain things where you ask me anything and I read your comment. What I will do is me and Tom will go back for anyone who sent stars after the fact and we'll respond to your comments, like them, 
do little giphies. So you will be acknowledged, but not necessarily live on the show for this episode because uh, it'll be distracting. And we have some photographers uh, just showed up because I'm going to be on the cover of some kind of pharmaceutical shill magazine. Uh, I forget what it's called, like M M and M or something. M M and M. M and M M M M M. I'm not sure. But I was like, yeah, I'll do the interview. I don't. I don't give a damn. I'll be on the cover of this. What's the magazine? Is it is it Dog Fancier magazine? I'm in. Is it Pigeon Fancier magazine? Um, Donald Lordy says people underestimate the need for foundational stability. I think they do. They do. They do. They do. Yeah. Yeah. We 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 need it. Now here's the question. Can foundational stability be given to you, or do you have to earn foundational stability? Oh, this is interesting. You mean you got to work, you got to do something. It's not a natural born thing. You don't just give it to babies and kids. But it is in our society, though. I mean, that is what you do. I mean, the social contract basically is... You go to school. Your children get a better life than you had, and Uh that's that's the game we're all playing, right? right, Except for the baby boomers who don't seem to be playing that game. No, they're out. (laughs) Wait, so define foundational stability. Um, Good question, because it comes in varying shapes and sizes, doesn't Mm -hmm. it? So foundational stability could be financial, it could be mental, emotional. It's like a Maslow's stability? I don't know. I I would assume... Donna is talking about it in sort of a financial, uh, emotional, emotional context. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah I, I, because this is sort of the, the argument I'm getting at is this is sort of the UBI argument, right? Like the universal, universal basic, basic income, income yeah. which you say, okay, we're going to give a thousand bucks a month to everybody. This is Andrew Yang, Democratic uh, candidate, is like, we're going to give a thousand bucks a month. Everybody calls it a freedom dividend, which is like a very clever play on words when it's just straight up socialism <laughs> but <laughs> the idea is that this would give americans foundational stability and then they could emerge upwards and you know do things that they need to do now basic economics would say that everything's no, just gonna become just more gonna expensive inflate right yeah landlords would be like guess what rents a thousand, rents a thousand more bucks expensive. A, yeah. a more expensive yeah. right uh i don't understand the economics of that and maybe because i'm stupid but i think it's more because that's a stupid idea now, people like Rogan and others have been sort of talked into that by Yang. So is Sam Harris. But others are like, like uh, what's his name? Um, Naval. Yeah. It's like, no, this is dumb. You don't do this. Because, mm-hmm. because see, the premise that it's based on is wrong. The premise that Yang is saying, and again, I agree with some of Yang's stuff. I don't agree with this, is that, oh, we're all going to be obsoleted. Or many of us are going to be obsoleted by the AI revolution. And so in order to avoid a catastrophe, we need to start providing universal basic income for the people that are going to be obsoleted. Okay, that's the dumbest thing I've ever it's heard. It's insane. In the yeah. history of humans, we've said that every single time a technological revolution comes along. Yeah. And there are, is, if you look at um, popular science back from the 1920s, there are, <laughs> it's like imminent that robots are going to take over and do our jobs. In the 1920s, they felt this way. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So, yeah. still it's, hasn't happened. It's not... No. Yeah. Now, it's different than this saying... This is what Marxism is based on, too. It, 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 yeah. yeah. Marxism coincides with the Industrial Revolution. Chernobyl. Yeah. Okay. Two words. That's Chernobyl. right. Chernobyl. That's right. It has nothing, really. It It's more just stupid humans than <laughs> socialism on that one. But, okay, No, so, not really, because that's bureaucracy, which is caused by socialism. Yeah, but you can have it in a capitalist... If you look artist. at the chain of command... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but in a capitalist society, there's an incentive there for the minute somebody fucks up to call them out on it, right? Yeah. That's, you know, you make money on doing right, that. Right, right, right. Unless you're going to lose money by doing that, which in Well, some, people will want to hide it, but right, people right, right. are also trying to unearth it. So Whereas in, the social, in, in socialism, everybody's trying to hide mm-hmm, it because mm-hmm. you can't let it get up high up the chain of command. You'll be crucified for it. Yeah. But now, now, 
universal basic income is a different idea than a social safety net. So saying, well, okay, there's universal medical coverage or there's um, social security, Medicare, or there's disability, workman's comp, or stuff like that, Mm -hmm. uh, which I think we don't do that well in this country, which may be why, well. I'm okay with all safety net programs mm -hmm. as long as they're not permanent, but they seem to be permanent. Well, that's the problem, is is with the incentives, the way they're aligned, sometimes there's not an incentive to work. It's actually better not to work. Once you get on the government dole, you kind of never get off of it, you know? That's yeah, most. I, that's most people. I, it, it, I'm not talking about the people that dip into unemployment and then dip back out. Like, right. That's that tends that's to work for use. a lot of people. But yeah. I'm, I'm talking about the people on social security, disability, et cetera, et cetera. And then you have to. And look, I meet people on. So, listen, I, this is going to be super unpopular, but I meet people on social security, disability, all the time who are not disabled. Oh yeah. In any way, shape, well, they're, or form. they're gaming the system. Right. They're gaming yeah. the system. It's yeah. not. A, I don't know what. The and that hurts the people is. that are actually disabled. Well, you know, I think there's also, you, you then have to get into the roots of, well, what was the, the momentum, cultural and economic, that put people into those straits mm-hmm. that now they find that's a more appealing path? I just think it's interesting. Can you guarantee foundational security for everybody? I don't think you can because, you know, that's not the American ideal. The American ideal is the pursuit of life, right, liberty, right. and happiness. Can, can you guarantee it? No. Should it be a goal a thousand percent because it breaks a cycle of disaster. So mm-hmm. if you have poor kids in a bad area that are um, that have no foundational security, they're much more likely to be ill adults, uh, get involved in not great things, have economic disadvantage, all that negative pull, the negative Pareto distribution of being yeah. born into that. Whereas if they have safe, secure families, no abu- physical, sexual, mental abuse, nutritional abuse, uh, they're much more likely to be able to uh, be productive members of society. And we don't yet have that because there's so much uh, sort of back undertow from, from I think, um, historical shit. Yeah. Yeah. That's so, true. Yeah. So I think there's a component of that. I think a lot of moderates would feel that way. They're like, yes and yes and yes and yes. Uh, but who knows? Maybe not. Um, that's why, you know, man, I was on Twitter today on the on the, on the the plane looking through tweets and I was like, Twitter is just a cesspool of bullshit. Oh, it's the, <laughs> it's just the worst. It's the worst, yeah. but I also love it. I also love it. Love I know. it. I love it. I love it too. Uh, hang on a second. So, wh- hey, when do y'all want to start? <laughs> we need about 15 minutes to set up all of our stuff. Okay. And then we can get going with you. We'll make a little bit of noise. No, make noise. Make noise. Make noise. Okay. Yeah. yeah. You guys are fine. Yeah, no, no, no. We can set up your back. We're just live. Right. We're just live streaming. <laughs> Nothing could possibly go wrong. <laughs> yeah, no, no, no. This is how we do it. Yeah, to, please do. Seriously, I meant to say I just got distracted by doing the show. Uh, let's read a comment. Can I tell you? <laughs> I would tell you this. I was going to say this about your Twitter comment. Yeah. Since going to uh, to therapy, you know, it's like I had this realization that like the world is run by assholes because all the nice people are at home on the floor playing with their children. You know what I mean? Mm. And all the you know people like Nancy Pelosi, who's a dumb bitch. <laughs> are out there <laughs> fucking up society. Mitch McConnell, who's an asshole. We have to be ba- fair and balanced, like Fox News. Yeah, sometimes. Mitch McConnell's a fucking asshole, too. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> See, that would have been sedition in certain countries, yes. what you just said. Yeah. Um, well, and then, But then I had this realization where I was like, you know, yeah, I don't. I was, I was, I was on my way there to being one of the one of the assholes who run the world, you know, in some shape or context. And now I'm just much happier playing blocks on the floor with my daughter. But I can do a lot of damage from Twitter while she's napping. You know, hell what I mean? yeah, a lot of damage. It's an amplifier yeah. of daddy evil. Uh-huh. I know it. 
I'd do it. <laughs> I'd, I'm sitting there. I'm like, you know what? The thing about people who say, uh, yikes, disappointed to, to, in a tweet means the rest of that tweet is going to be outrage, virtue signaling garbage a thousand percent. Like right before I came to this show, I went on Twitter and I was like, hey, I got a question for all of you who use alcohol-free mouthwash. In what other areas of your life are you a huge fucking pussy? <laughs> Because I want to know. You know, that that reminds me of uh, <laughs> in Chernobyl, pretty much everyone there is smoking cigarettes. That's right. And they're all concerned about radiation. They're like, God, this radiation. I'm not sure what's going to happen. <laughs> One time I had a guy who was literally smoking a cigarette, and he was telling me about chemtrails, you know? And oh. he was like, these chemtrails. They're spraying shit on us, man. I was like, you're inhaling shit into your fucking yeah. lungs With right pesticides. now. Are you retarded? With pesticides. <laughs> it's it's amazing. Uh so some people uh, have been saying that they were able to pull themselves out of poverty, which is wonderful. Yeah, Lisa uh, Nappert. I, f- I-, I found my way out of a poor family and in a poor family situation and came out pretty well. It can happen. Oh, I have no doubt about that. But the question is, are you an outlier or did you have some help from a system or people or friends or luck? I think it's all those things. Yeah. Yeah. Adam says he was raised with the thought that hard work equals good rewards, and it might not be immediate, but it will come to fruition later. If it's not working, work harder. I think that um, this is false, I'm going to say. Now, I do believe in the general directional ethos of that statement, Yeah, but it's not true semantically because risk equals reward. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You have to actually put something up in a capitalist system yeah. to be rewarded. I think the ethos of it, you're right, is yeah, intentions, but, motivation, well, diligence. The, the ethos is like, uh, you know, the harder I work, the luckier I get. Yeah. But there is a degree of you're going to have to take some risks to succeed. Like yeah. things are not guaranteed to you. Yeah. You know. Yeah. No, I I I, I agree. And I, again, but without work, without yeah. like some effort. Uh, reward is less likely. Without risk, high reward is less likely. Right. So you have to have a mix of things and understand risk. I think most people don't understand risk. You, anti-vaxxers don't understand risk. Yeah. They're like, oh my God, my kid's going to get one of these side effects that's listed in the insert. It's like, dipshit, if you understood statistics <laughs> right. at all, you'd know that that's exceedingly unlikely. Right. It would be like winning the lottery in reverse. Well, yeah, it, you know, and really hard work, it really, I think we can boil it down further to focus. The mm. thing, it, this is like the thing that people talk about with the law of attraction. You know, it's like, uh, here's the thing, Z. I'll put a picture of a Lamborghini on my wall. Five years later, I got that Lamborghini <laughs> after signing my first NFL contract. <laughs> and it's like, okay, well, <laughs> it wasn't just because you put it on your wall. A lot of people use the rule of attraction in a stupid in a manner. In a stupid way. Like that. Like there was that kid, the Santa Barbara kid who uh, killed all those people. Uh, remember? Yeah. Uh, I forget the incel. Yeah. Forget yeah, his name. Yeah. Um, Fuck. But he was he would try and secret lottery tickets and then drive across state lines to get lottery tickets. It's like that's the kind of person who who uses the law of attraction in that in that manner. You're secreting, right? <laughs> exactly. But it's it's focus and intentionality that's going to get you where you want to go. There was this thing that was um, Warren Buffett and Bill Gates were at a dinner together, and when asked the secret of their success, everybody at the table. There's a bunch of other fancy people at this table. Warren and Bill had the same one word answer which was focus focus yeah focus okay this is what focus means to me because you and neither you nor me are focused no we're add as fuck but i really only do focus on one thing at At one thing at a time i think by focus you can interpret that the way i interpret it as intentionality yes so you're saying i intend to do this 
with single-minded intensity. Yes. I may be defocused in how I get there, but the intent is never changing. It's the same when you're, when you're, one of the breakthroughs in meditative practice is when you go, oh, wait a minute. The reason it's working now is because I set an intention and I keep coming back to that intention to follow the breath. The minute you forget the intention or the intention's weak, it doesn't generate the momentum of cause and effect that keeps you focused. And once it happens, it's crazy, this thing happens, suddenly the breath becomes this kind of wave in front of you and everything starts to go yeah. and become very present and very focused. Why? Because one, one mind moment leads to the next, leads to the next, driven by the intentionality of this is what I'm doing right now. Another reason to just focus on one thing at a time, uh, and this is the same thing we were talking about earlier, you know, focus on your wealth or focus on your fitness or focus on your happiness and then move to the next item on your list, and that can be different for anybody. You don't have to do it in a specific order, although mm. I think wealth should probably come first mm. just because of uh, how money works, time value money, et cetera, compounding, mm. et cetera. Right. But... Um, it's kind of like once you know the way broadly, you can see it in all things. Mastery leads to mastery. Mm. So once you've done it once, it makes it easier to do it the second yeah, time. Yeah, I think that's absolutely like, true. Because I did it with wealth, I'm finding it easier to focus on my fitness and health journey. It's it's a um, one of the great deadly sins in uh, that that the Buddha speaks of, <laughs> Tom Heinever, is doubt. Yes. So he calls it faith versus doubt. Now he's not talking about faith in some god. He's saying faith in your own ability to do this thing. Yeah. So once you have one success, it creates a momentum of faith in yourself instead of constantly doubting. And that's one of the impediments to meditation. If you sit in a meditation going, God, this is always so hard. I'm never gonna do this. It's garbage. It, it's self-fulfilling. There's something, there's some Buddhist text where he talks about having an interaction with Mara. Yeah, and the badness. Right. Yeah. And uh, he goes... You know, he asked Mara, like, what are your tactics? And he goes, I just get real close to your face, and then I tell you all the things that you think are, uh, you know, going to come true, are definitely going to come true. You know, basically, I feed your anxiety. I feed your doubts. Yeah, yeah I, mm. f- I forget what it was, but mm. that's the tactic. And mm. the whole thing is just not to listen to that. Yeah. You know? You know, it's interesting, in, in Buddhist iconography, Mara it represents delusion, seduction, craving, all the bad things you're trying to fight against, and the Buddha sitting under his tree finally realized, oh, I see you, Mara. I see what you're doing. And by seeing you, diffuse you. But Mara is not an evil deity. It's not like some kind of Satan. Mara is actually in the ancient stuff, elevated into the pantheon of some great you know, benefactor of mankind because he shows you the delusion, right? Like he's there to be overcome, not necessarily to torment you. Although if you get lost in what he's doing, you suffer. Um, it's funny, some of these comments are like, are you guys just babbling? <laughs> I'm like, yeah, well, you're a supporter, but you're not, so I don't care what you say. Uh, Carolyn Duncan, I need y'all to factor in race and how far uh, up the ladder you are to begin with. I don't think you're wrong, Carolyn. I mean, I think you end up with a, like I said earlier, there's a historical undertow if you're born with a certain skin color in the wrong part of town. Yes. Even without, I mean, you're not. And we've talked about this before. I think neither you nor me deny that. It's, I don't, no, I don't deny it. But I do think it's a, um, it's a cop out if you're going to use it to not try. To not try. Yeah. Yeah. And I, because I, yeah. it's like, uh, it's like the car crash victim analogy. Like, you know, yeah, especially black people in this country were victims of a car crash, a cultural car crash. Mm. That's true. You were a victim of that and it was perpetrated against your ancestors, not you. But, you can't overcome that car crash by 
blaming the person who hit you. You're going to have to like get up and do the physical rehab. You know mm. what I mean? Well, I might, and it you know, sucks and it's hard, but that's life. And, and Carolyn, who appears African-American in the Avatar, says, yes, also the world discriminates against overweight people. Look, the truth is, and I think we can't say that, oh no, it happened to your ancestors and not you, because I think there is a undertow of, I mean, anyone who gets stopped by police knows there's still, Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. I but, think, well, I think the, the, the biggest privilege in the world is being beautiful. Yeah, it doesn't matter who doesn't you matter are. who you are. If you're beautiful, yeah. right? Like that guy, the Jeremy Meeks guy who is the prisoner, and then he became the sexy prisoner, yeah, and then he got like yeah, a modeling yeah, contract, yeah, all this yeah. stuff. And it's like, yeah, like that guy's like a worthless if fucking. If, yeah, if you're born stunningly beautiful. Right. And that's born. You don't get made stunningly beautiful. Yeah. I mean, you could lose weight, this and that, but you have advantages that nobody else can touch. You can be dumb, yep. you can be lazy, and you can be absolutely rich and famous. I know a guy, not going to say his name. He has two face tattoos, okay? Dose. They're the world's dumbest face tattoos. He's His IQ is, it's low. Um, <laughs> He got the same girl pregnant twice. He, like, he doesn't, they're not together. Like, she just keeps coming back to him for some reason and raising his children. Sounds it's, like a folie à deux here. He's, yeah. he's, he's a beautiful, good-looking dude, right? He's also waiting trial because he was in an Uber, and some of his friends decided to do a drive-by out of an Uber, okay? They have your name on the app and everything. And then he ran from the cops, and they found he had a bunch of ecstasy in his pocket. Yes, I still know these people in real life, see, because this is the town I grew up in. I'm proud of you, too. So some of my friends from high school are still around, floating around in my circles. (laughs) (laughs) So the point is, he's beautiful. He's beautiful. He's a Mm good-looking dude, Mm -hmm. and people keep giving him second chances. Mm. And honestly, I'm envious of his life, Mm. honestly. Mm -hmm. So Risa Dubois makes a point, beauty is often in the eye of the beholder, true but also not true, because... Uh, com- society sets beauty standards to some degree. Yeah. There is a symmetry thing that may be inborn. Um, you know, when Hoffman talks about graphical user interface that humans see in order to reproduce, we do, each of us has our own perception. This is what's true. The f- what's the face thing? You know the thing I'm talking about. So the more symmetrical... No, no, there's a name. You know the oh. thing? It's not like the Fibonacci sequence, but it's like... Oh, I know what you're saying. Yeah, you know yeah, what I'm it's saying? It's perfect face. Yeah, what is it? It's I like the golden ratio. So, yeah, right. Trigon- some, it's trigonometry is involved. Yeah. And I won't touch that shit. <laughs> Because I don't like math. Uh uh-uh. uh. Uh uh. I don't That's like right. math. Um, that shit's for going to the moon. Not, 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 was it not too smart that friend? Not too smart that friend of yours, says Carlman. Uh, reason keeps, he keeps coming back is called sex, or she keeps coming back, Laura Brash. Um, well, yeah, no, I know. Yeah, that's what but it I'm is, saying. Like, he's good looking. Yeah. He doesn't provide anything else other than literally his DNA. Yep, yep, yep. Uh, Julie Louise says Mara is ego. Ego. So ego. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Ego is uh, 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 in in in. I think in that iconography, ego is delusion. It's it's getting identified with something that isn't real. So ego is an appearance in consciousness that we construct minute to minute. It's not a real thing. And if we get identified with our ego, we do stupid things and we suffer. So I think that's true. I think a component of Mara is saying, "Oh, you are worthless, or you need money, or you don't get along with people." It's like, well, no, there is no you in the first place that's a construct adam has a good question he says so is the list cyclical then you continue to revisit the items you have quote unquote completed making them easier to maintain yeah i think so it's a constant practice you know it's not like it's cyclical it's more like once you've done one you can now do it easily yeah and so you just do it as a everyday thing yeah you know yeah 
every day I check in on like my net worth. Like that's something I do every single day. Yeah, see now, and I I don't do that anymore because now I've got enough years under my belt where I'm like, okay, I know what it's gonna do. Right. And actually the individual fluctuations will tempt me to do things like trading and that kind of thing. Yeah. Because I used to do that. Now I don't do that. So it just depends on where you are and what you want out of that. That's because Z barely has any Bitcoin, y'all. Like hardly any. You know what I'm saying? Bitcoin, Bitcoin poor. (laughs) Mm-hmm. When it's when it's in Bitcoin, you're like, oh, did I just make and lose five hundred thousand dollars? <laughs> Seems like I did. Wait, am I down another seven hundred thousand? <laughs> yeah, that kind of volatility. I don't have the risk tolerance for that, Tom Hunter. <laughs> That's a little too much beta. Uh, but yeah, you just things become easier once you've mastered them. Yeah, you know? it's like ma- you, your daughters play the violin, right? That's, and they're getting really good at the violin. They don't have to go back and revisit beginning violin. The, and the only you know? reason we have them do violin is a they like it. Otherwise, we would have made them stop because it's a pain in the ass for us. It's not that they're going to be professional violinists. That's an insane pipe dream for right. like three people in the world. It's because it gives them mastery of something that they then will have confidence to do other things. And there's cross-pollination in the mind. Yeah, We should do an AMA on study tips for medical students that were, were from my experience because that there would are be little one. tricks. Let's do yeah. that today. We should. Because I think it'd be interesting. Yeah. It's like, hey, well, here's things that work for me. May not work for you. Muscle memory and it just sort of, yeah, it's interesting. These things never leave you. It's like riding a bike. Like I took up skateboarding recently because I'm having a full-blown midlife crisis. Of course. And uh, <laughs> At the ripe age of 30. Yeah. And I haven't skateboarded in 15 years. Mm. And I went to the skate park. I'm still better than all the kids at the yeah. skate park. <laughs> See, I'm I, like, oh, you can't 50-50 that rail? Bro, when I was your age, bro, dude, I would have crooked that whole thing. You I, know what I mean? Oh, man. I had the, I would have bought- been kickflip crook all over that, bro. What are you doing? What are you doing, man? Where's, oh, is that your mom? Tell her what's up. Dude, that's amazing. <laughs> I, I, I had my skateboard midlife crisis two years ago, bought a new skateboard, and I was a ramp guy. So I was never good at street because I couldn't yeah. ollie very high. I'm too short. So what ended up happening was, you know, I had my own half pipe in my backyard when I was growing up. I built it myself. Yeah. And then down the street, we had a professional, like legit, like three feet of vert, real half pipe. Legit one. So I got decent at, at that, but it's really hard to just get back on a skateboard and skate ramp when you're 46. It is. This is so, true. I was just out on the street doing stuff. And I was like, ah, oh, I'm gonna do this. I'm like, oh man, I am pretty good again. <laughs> this is great. And then I slipped off and fell down on my left wrist. In the old days, I would have jumped up and been like, I'm cool. This is not a thing and I'm better in a minute. I had arm pain, like not even, like terrible wrist pain, elbow pain, full arm pain for like four months, dude. Yeah. And it, I was like, I've injured myself forever. Yeah, I got got better. I got that going on right now. Right now. (laughs) You cannot, uh, the nature of impermanence, Tom, we were talking about that. That's right. You cannot reclaim the glories of the past. You don't want to. No. You can dabble. You can dabble. Experientially. This is true. That's what it was like Mm -hmm. to be young and completely immortal. Yeah, it's like the memories flood back. Right. Right, but I I know I can't do, I'm not physically capable of the same things I was capable of back then. Exactly, can't do it. And then then part of me is better. I'm more, I have more stamina than I did when I was young in terms of like aerobic exercise. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, like I mean. You do aerobics, bro? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I put on a- Like Richard Simmons type stuff? I put on sunglasses and and a headband and I'm like, let's get physical, physical. I wanna get physical. Let's get in the physical. Let me hear your body talk. Body talk. Isn't it funny just when I hear the word aerobics, immediately I think, you think R- Richard Simmons yeah, and like yep. sweating to the oldies. Like I, that's I, what comes into my head. You know my Richard Simmons. Story. What are we doing, y'all? Aerobics? <laughs> 
I, I told you my Ted Med story where I had to. Uh, oh, yeah, you I met yeah, yeah, yeah. for another time. But yeah. I, I not only did I meet Richard Simmons, I had to introduce him uh, at Ted Med 2013 and with the Surgeon General at the time, Regina Benjamin, who's a sweetheart, by the way. And um, he was batshit crazy backstage. Like he was manic. Uh, he had his manager there. It was insanity. Yeah. Uh, but when he got on stage, he started, you know, he, like before he even went on, he was like crying to me, Zubin, I don't want to do this. They're all scientists. I'm so scared. <laughs> and then he, I'm like, I'm nobody, right? I'm sitting here and go, this is Richard Simmons. Like I used to watch him, like my mom used to watch Sweating to the Oldies. And I would sit there and be like, who's that clown with the afro <laughs> and with the white guy afro? And, and, I'm like, it's okay, Richard. You're going to crush it. Look, I'm going up there. I don't know what I'm doing. I'm not really a scientist, except that I kind of am. But like, <laughs> you know, you're going to kill it. He goes on stage and just owns that whole play. He had a bunch of dorky people up there like, eh, doing this thing. And like, eh, everybody stretch. Everybody stretch. And, and he crushed the game. And I was like, Richard Simmons, man, say what you will. He crushes the game. When I was little, I used to think that uh, Richard Simmons and Bob Ross were brothers. Because <laughs> <laughs> they had kind of the same hair. Oh, my God. They were Tiny both on TV. Pretty, pretty little cloud over it here. Made, it made sense to me back Actually, then. Actually, that, um, that makes a strange sense to me now. <laughs> yeah. It kind of does. Like, if I told you that, yeah. like, you might believe it. Like I might I, be, yeah. Do you know that they were brothers, actually? Uh, I would tell yeah, you. Yeah, yeah. And the mom forced Bob to go into painting uh, and Richard to go into dance. Yeah. Feels right to me, Tom Hunter. <laughs> Feels like you've cracked it like the Da Vinci Code. Like, oh my God, it all makes sense now. They were brothers the whole time. Oh, it's just, it's just called Two Brothers. Um, two Brothers. <laughs> it's just called Two Brothers. That's right. <laughs> hey, when's Rick and Morty coming back, by the way? Man, I don't know, but it can't come back soon mm-hmm. enough. Because I love Rick and Morty. Pickle Rick. It's the best. I know. It's the best. I know. I know. I want that uh, patch, eye patch Morty. <laughs> To do some crime. Pa- Evil Morty's e- going to fuck shit up. Evil Morty. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Ooh. I, I have uh, Rick and Morty socks uh, packed. I have a uh, Rick and Morty shirt because mm-hmm. my, my family, this is how they buy me presents. They're like, what's he watching on TV? Let's get him that. <laughs> so one year I got a Rush t-shirt because I watched the Rush, you know, behind the lighted stage yeah. documentary. This year I got Rick and Morty gear. It's Next my, year I'm going to get a Chernobyl reactor like on my... My head. wife always says it's hard to buy shit for me too because I just, if I want some shit... I go buy it. I just buy I it. I go buy it. Yeah. It's the stuff that you don't know you want. And then when she buys me some shit, I'm like, mm, yeah. I don't know about that. I don't know. I don't yeah. want that thing. And then I end up wearing it. My mom, okay, my mom got it in her head that I love Star Wars, which, okay, sure, I love Star Wars. Yeah. But I'm not like the You're kid... You're also a grown man. I'm a grown-ass yeah. man. So she'll go to Target... And it'll be my birthday, and she'll buy a Star Wars T-shirt. Oh, you know, Zubin, I, I just wanted you to wear. It's a Death Star. <laughs> Are you familiar? <laughs> it's not even that sophisticated, Tom Heidemar. <laughs> it's like, I know you like this shooty kind of star thing, so I bought this one for you. This shirt uh, seems to have a frog on it. <laughs> and that's yeah, that's, that's Yoda. Yoda. That's Yoda, mom. He seems like a very nice frog, distinguished. I remember once seeing him on a commercial for the toy. And I remember when you were four, you looked up and you said, that's a toy I want, mommy. And I said, you're not thinking straight, Babu. Uh, Yeah, it's like that. And then I'll get it in the mail. And I'm like, God, and I'll roll my eyes. And then I'll wash it and wear it. And I wash it because I know the Target my mom shops at. And it's in the hood. And I know 20 kids have tried this thing on. You know, they're just like, check it. 
Star Wars. I can't buy this. And uh, now I'm wearing that same shirt. So I'm like, I'm going to wash this shirt because I don't want nipple lice. I don't. I like your character. I like some, some small child. <laughs> but then he knows he has no money. <laughs> What? I mean, like, why is he trying to so <laughs> Like, this child doesn't exist somewhere on, on Earth. I mean, I know there's a kid somewhere. But like, hey, hey, Gordito, where you been? You've been trying to go to I'm crying. Chancho, you stop trying on shirts. All right. They tell, hey, they've been telling us about you at the Target, eh? You better stop. <laughs> Why are you making a Mexican, you racist? You made a Mexican. <laughs> First of all, everybody knows that little um, Mexican kids do not like Star Wars. It's not a thing. All right? It's not a cultural thing. You're so culturally unaware. <laughs> Why? That's so funny. You <laughs> can't go on with this show. <laughs> I'll read some comments. Tom is losing it, says Rachel. Tom's laugh is contagious right now. I can't stop. Adam West, who is Batman? <laughs> Tom's going to pee his pants, Kristen, uh, so Christina Wiskowski. Um, I love Tom's imp- impression, Jen Bonner. I love it, too. Wife just got me Star Wars Chubby's swim trunks. <laughs> Actually, it's not a typo, swum trunks. <laughs> it's like after you've swam, you put on the swum trunks. Dude, I haven't got the church giggles like that in so long. <laughs> you didn't go to church when you were a kid, did you? No, no. One time. I was Latin. One time me and my cousin went to, we're in Catholic church and the, in Catholic church, you go, Lord, hear our prayer. And the whole congregation says it together, right? (laughs) And the priest would let it hang and he would be like, Lord, (laughs) hear our prayer. Like long after everybody else had stopped. And me and my cousin just started giggling our motherfucking asses off. But we're locked in the, you know, you're in a pew full of people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ten people this way, ten, ten people that this way. way. Stiff. And we're just like this. <laughs> and my aunt is like jabbing us in the back. Oh, my God. And this is when I was like 17 years old. <laughs> <laughs> That's what takes it to the next level. It's the best. While you're learning about finances. Actually, when did you start? When did, no, I don't want. When did I, I start learning about finances? Yeah, when was it? Super that? early because yeah. I have white privilege. We were talking about it at it the dinner table. See, that's white privilege. Yeah, I love it. I mm-hmm. want that privilege. That's the true white privilege. This is, okay, this was this was white Indian. privilege is when you ignore your children entirely and then you're like, listen, here's the thing. This is what happened in the markets today. <laughs> what do you mean you had a fight at school? The Dow is down. We have more important things to talk about. We have more about. important things to talk about. Okay, listen, here's the thing. The fiduciary interests of this table happen to lean towards IBM going up. Uh, my, my dad, so the Indian privilege was my dad simply saying, you will be on the street if you don't get a job. That's all. It was just all about doom and gloom. It wasn't about the market, and it was always about missed opportunities. See, Dr. Singh, he bought 12 acres. Now they're building Clovis Community Hospital right there. It's always, yeah. 12 acres. What is he worth now? Millions. Yes. What did I do? I worked instead of buying land. You should buy land. You know what? That was the kind of this, no, I bullshit. Would get, I would get this too because my dad would be like, you know, I was, I was in Seattle with a guy <laughs> and told him about this coffee company. And uh, I was like, nobody's going to pay $5 for coffee, Dan. <laughs> and that company was called Starbucks. <laughs> I missed that one. 
<laughs> that is such a dad thing. Oh my god, all of those. You know, did I tell you about my roommate in college? <laughs> okay, his name is Steve Chipotle. <laughs> my father, my father-in-law, when I got married, was like, you know, in the early seventies, I could have bought gold, <laughs> made it killer. He was like, what I'm basically telling you now is. Look into gold. Look into gold. <laughs> That's like, what they do. It's right. total distortion, right? Yeah. And my dad is it's, still it's a hindsight bias. My it's dad, hindsight bias. he's still like any interest rate below nineteen <laughs> is a good deal. In nineteen eighty two, we got our first mortgage. Interest rate was nineteen percent. Okay, I was stuck. I was like, "That's just idiotic. Don't buy a house. How's that?" So what's the interest now? Ten percent. Take out a big loan. This is why they called it stagflation because <laughs> we had to eat deer that I would kill myself. Okay. I miss stagflation. <laughs> stagflation. God, what a great uh, time! What a great era! Uh, and I that, feel like we're living in a uh, modern seventies right now. Oh, I can make a strong case for that for the modern seventies, mm-hmm. fiscal policy wise. Yeah. yeah, like the early two thousands were our sixties, bro. You know what I'm saying? Back when R. Kelly wasn't a rapist. Right. Things were beautiful then. Remember that? Remember when Britney Spears did Oops, I Did It Again? <sighs> it seemed like a free time, Z. What was that song? Oops, I did it again. That was my jam. That was my jam. Got lost mm-hmm. in the game, oh baby. Yeah. Like, what was she singing about? I don't know, but we were flying high back then. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It was kind of like a, a, a normalized pedophilia is yeah. what she was selling. The economy was booming. Enron happened, we all just acted like it was no big deal. You know what I mean? Like, things were going good. Yeah. Fergie was a thing. Fergie. Mm-hmm. Fergalicious. Fergalicious was a hit. She was living so 2008. Oh, my God. And you were so and we 2008. Were so 2008. I, you know. I know. Mm-hmm. I think you got to go do your fancy photo shoot. They're ready. I think I do. Hey, we should just turn the camera over there and show them what they're doing, except we can't because uh, of focus. Can yeah, can you? All right. Show them, show, them, show them what's going on. You guys care? All right, here we go. Prepare yourselves. It's it totally unlit. He's you got to squat down to about there half your. Oh yeah, no, we can't see him. There's a, there's a photographer over there. It's like a yeti sighting. Okay, we just get him. We'll just get him on the show. Here, he, where is he? Ah, uh, it was worth a try. It was worth a try. Um, Fergalicious, make them boys go loco, Risa Dubois. Ashley Stewart, I they grew get up with pleasures from my fout. <laughs> oh my god! Remember her midriff? All the women were like, "I want a midriff like that." Can I tell you that uh, Fergie seems like a crackhead that somebody painted lipstick on, forced to sing? Do you know Fergie looks like she does meth? Do you like know a that lot of meth. Fergie was in a show called. It was a kids' show. It wasn't a Disney thing. It was where they sing. Um, oh my god! It was called. Oh, but yeah, she was yeah. like. A little kid, and then yeah. she grows up. I'm very delicious. <sighs> I mean, they all go dirty. Rock. They all go dirty, Z. They all go dirty. Yeah. I mean, look at uh, Christina Aguilera. Miley. Miley. Mm-hmm. Brittany. Brittany, bitch. Mm-hmm. Uh huh. Think about it. I mean, remember Toxic? Mm hmm. With the tears on my lips, I'm in a <laughs> Your toxic tongue slipping under the tears of your lips. I'm not na na. I'm addicted to you, but you know that you're toxic. You know what I like about the toxic video? Mm. My boy Tyreezy. Oh, Tyreezy. Mm-hmm. He's in oh, that. He's you know, in that, yo. Tyreezy was in uh, Unbreak My That's right. Tony Braxton. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Tony, Tony, Tony Braxton. That was a sequel Yeah. where she she got together with Tony, Tony, Tony and had an R&B group. I don't know about that. <laughs> too young. Too young. Too young and vital. Too, 
Too young. That's right. Too young to quit. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. MC Hammer. Yeah. He survived into the 2000s for a bit. That's had right. his house in Fremont. I lost his it. house in Fremont. I believe it. Tyreezy. Go do your fancy photo shoot, man. I don't want to. Give I the people what they the want. Z-pad. Photos of your face, apparently. I'll just be like this. <laughs> you know what? I'm going to start a new trend wearing sunglasses upside down. That's going to be like the new thing. Like Z-Dog started this. Yeah, what up, fam? It's, uh, it's funny. I was at baby time at the library, and I saw this little kid who was doing that. <laughs> Did you? He had a broken leg. He was like five, and he was going like, <laughs> and now so, you're, you're doing it right now. So you're saying... <laughs> You're saying that this isn't the next big trend? The NBT? All right. Well, I think it's time to call the code. So far, Taylor Swift hasn't been in the news. Just wait. Oh, you just wait. Because it's always Taylor Swift having a beef with someone. You know what I mean? All right, here. I'm going to do a thumbnail with Tommy. It's really creepy. I'm uncomfortable. You should be uncomfortable. Wait, is he still gone? You should have ended it. I think we got to end. It was weird. I love you, z We're out. Now it's over. (laughs) Oh, there it is. Look. Hey, it's Dr. Z. Thanks for getting through the whole episode. That's a huge accomplishment. (laughs) And so at this point, I just got to ask you for a few favors because it just helps us so much if you leave a review on your favorite podcast platform and subscribe. It, it just really helps the algorithm to get this message out to others. The second thing is email me, hello at zdogmd.com. I get all these emails personally. I can't respond to them all, but I need to hear your voice because especially on podcast, we don't have a comment section. And I wanna hear how this episode affected you, what you'd like to hear in the future, what you think we got wrong, what we think we got right, anything, anything, or just say hi. So that's really powerful. And the third thing is, Financially, it helps us a lot to support the show in any way you can. And if you go to zdogmd.com forward slash supporters, you can join our supporter tribe on your favorite platform, YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, wherever. What that will get you on those platforms is live shows with me that are exclusive for supporters and access to our Zoom meetings where we talk about awakening realization and we share with each other our own experience. It's a powerful group effect. It's a community, really. And we support and love each other and share, again, through our own experience, how we're waking up. So, and that that ripples out into systems, into transforming healthcare and education and government. So it st- really starts with us. So join us there if you can. Again, zdogmd.com forward slash supporters. And I'm so grateful to have you with us.